He's on this Wednesday every time because he's not good. He's not great. He's the man, former congressman for the better part of four decades out on Long Island, Homeland Security, and now a dear friend of the Rosenbergs, the great Peter King. Good morning, Peter. Good morning, Shit. How you doing? Listen, uh, I heard you talking about your daughter going away. Yeah. Uh, I had that situation in high school. My uh, son spent his senior year in Sweden and my daughter in Austria. And wow. I think Rosemary cried every day for that year. She did. Yeah, now, that was only yeah. one year. I mean, Ava's going to go away for three years like Leslie's right. daughter never came back. So I face that real possibility. Either way, it's, it's exciting for Ava. It's exciting for me and Danielle. I'm sure it's exciting for you, Peter, you and Rosemary. But it's a little sad. It's tough. It's my little girl, you know. Different country. I mean, geez, Pete. No? Yeah, you're right. You're right. Yeah. But, uh, I would say probably growing up with you, though, she's had a lot of world experience. <laughs> she's ready for it. You're right. You're right about that. So I sit here and I look outside these beautiful windows, as you've done many times in these studios, Peter, overlooking 3rd Avenue. It's a gorgeous day today. Really the nice last day until April, 80 and sunny. And I see, I don't know, no exaggeration, 30 motorcycles, 20 cop cars, there's a tent across the street with about 10 people sitting there smoking cigarettes and drinking coffee, about 20 policemen. These are the same people I've seen since about 4.15 a.m. on Monday morning. I know you're going to tell me differently, but, oh, my God, what a waste of manpower and money. No, I couldn't, I couldn't disagree with you more. This is absolutely essential. See, you have to realize that New York City every day is the largest terrorist target in the world. When you have 150 world leaders there, this has to be coordinated so that they are ready for any possible type attack, whether it's a liquid explosive attack, whether it's a car bomb attack, whether it's a dirty bomb, whether it's a uh, operation carried out on one side of town uh, as a uh, decoy to another. You have to have cops ready at every location. This is planned days, weeks, months in advance. It's been done by Ray Kelly, by Bill Bratton. It's done in conjunction with the Secret Service, with the FBI, with Homeland Security, with the state police. One, if one thing goes wrong, for instance, I know it was, it was in September, I guess, of 2009, uh, you, we had a potential liquid explosives attack in New York, which could have killed hundreds, if not thousands, on the New York City subway system. That's just one example. We've had 20 other terrorist plots against New York that have been stopped. If any one of them gets through, think of the mass chaos, the loss of life that would cause. And to me, I don't know what the alternative is. If you're saying the cops shouldn't be there, they have to be ready on a moment's notice. And you say they're sitting around drinking coffee. They may be. God knows what they're doing at any particular time. The fact is they are ready to act. And they have sergeants, lieutenants, captains, inspectors, chiefs, all situated around the city. This is so well coordinated. It was done under Bratton, under Kelly, now under Keyshawn Sewell. It's done in coordination with so many different agencies. And the NYPD, they have intelligence uh, assets all around the world. They're the only uh, police department that has that. They're constantly getting rumors, constantly getting tips. Some, some are true, some are phony. They don't know. They have to take them all seriously. And now uh, we have problems with Iran, with ISIS. And, you know, for instance, last year, and since then, you've been saying how terrible it was that uh, President Biden pulled out of Afghanistan and that has now created a terrorist haven. It's true. That's, true. That's yep. an added threat. Then we have terrorists coming across the border. All you need is four or five of them, and they could cause mass deaths, mass casualties in New York City. The cops have to be ready for every, all these hotels where those people are staying. They have to be checked for explosives. They have to be checked to see who's working, who's coming in and out. This is, I can tell you right now, there are people at police headquarters monitoring this by the second. 
trying to anticipate anything that could happen. So far, over the years, it's worked. But I'll tell you, the NYPD has stopped a lot of terrorist threats. They're the best at it, and they're doing it in conjunction with federal partners, international partners. We're in contact with countries overseas is what might be happening. But again, we have Iran. We have China to some extent. Certainly ISIS, Al-Qaeda. They're all there. And all you need is two or three uh, start-up yep. people on their own, lone right. wolves. But homegrown. But yep. attack yep. can kill thousands of people in a matter of minutes. And it's not just uh, uh, anticipating, which they have to do, try to anticipate it, but also to be ready if something happens in one part of the city that the cops can be deployed there and they won't go leave other parts of the city vacant. They have to be on the lookout for hotel fires. All of this, all Jeez. of this is, requires such effort and planning. I got to tell you, that was a great answer. I mean, I'm kind of kidding around because the traffic sucks and Lewis complains. They shut down the 42nd Street exit. He gets all aggravated, starts throwing stuff inside the studio, you know, and uh, all that stuff. But your answer is a great answer. I mean, all of us want safety first. There is no question New York is the top gun. There is no question that Joe Biden's administration has allowed all these terrorist groups to reform. Some say that it's every bit as bad as it was right before the attacks all the way back in 2001 before 9-11. So if any of that is true, even a smidgen of it, then what you're saying, Peter King, is a thousand percent right. Yeah, and believe me, it is is true. Listen, we could never have, probably would not have had another 9-11 attack of that type. However, the world has changed since then. There can be cyber attacks, and uh, you don't have to fly planes into a building. You can bring five people into New York City with nuclear devices, with uh, uh, liquid explosives. I mean, think of all the subway entrances we have. Think of all the hotels. Think of, uh, again, all the shopping centers, all of the uh, stores. Well, you know, I don't want to give names out, but I mean, right, large right. stores. I mean, any one of them, you can kill hundreds, hundreds of people. And then when you have 150 world leaders in the country at the same time, that could be an international disaster. Yep, that's true. Hey, uh, talking about, though, people walking around with little nuclear devices, Vladimir Putin's getting his ass kicked, and uh, he's embarrassed himself mm-hmm. and Russia. Uh, the Ukraine people have done a tremendous job. They've regained territory. They've won some wars. Now Putin wants to put more of his soldiers there because he's getting beat so bad. And now the last two days, he's been saying, hey, I'll nuke him. I will use my nuclear weapons. I don't care what the West says, what anybody says. I'll nuke them. When Putin says that, how seriously, Peter King, as a former head of Homeland Security, how serious do you take that? We have to take it seriously. Uh, on the other hand, you can't give in to that type of blackmail because that's something that could be done anytime. He could say, if you don't do this, I'm going to use nuclear weapons. So the idea is to monitor it, to stare them down, and to uh, also, you know, we have assets in the... Uh, in Russia, we have uh, diplomats, we have people who have contacts, try to find out how serious this is, what's, what's for real. To me, it sounds more like desperation than anything. I remember back in February and March when this started, uh, people like Joe Biden were o- offering a uh, free plane ride for uh, Zelensky to get him out of Ukraine. Just to figure this thing couldn't last more than a week or two. Now it's Russia that's on the, uh, you know, the edge of, of a uh, defeat here. So uh, the idea is to keep the pressure on him. Try not to push it, obviously, in, in, into a nuclear conflagration. But he has to realize that he can't win that if he starts that. In fact, nobody's going to win. But I don't, I don't think he's suicidal. I mean, he's, he's not, you know, this isn't ISIS or al-Qaeda where these people are willing to die for their cause. I think uh, Putin is willing to let other people die for his cause. But I mean, he would have to realize that if he used nuclear weapons, then that, that is it for him. I mean, that's, uh, that's like all-out war on, on the world, which no one wants. I mean, there's no winners in that. But he would definitely be the biggest loser.
So I don't think he wants to do that. Peter, Lee Zeldin's about to join me coming up at 9.05. Another really ugly story for Kathy Hochul, this donor who scored $637 million when he got that uh, contract from uh, Kathy Hochul during the COVID days. She, uh, he gave her a ton of money, $300,000. She declared a state of emergency four days later. I mean, there is no doubt here this is a pay-and-play scheme. There is no doubt about it. How ugly do you think this story gets? And do you think eventually, will the lieutenant governor getting arrested, her crooked deal with the Buffalo Bill Stadium and her husband. Do you think eventually all these things will really come back and beat Kathy Hochul? Well, we have to make sure it, you know, that it gets out. I mean, other than the New York Post, almost nobody is reporting this. If this were Donald Trump, if, if this were Lee Zeldin, if this was Sid Rosenberg, it would be the front page of every paper. Yep. It would be the lead story on the evening news. There would be reporters chasing them down the street. They'd be going to their homes. They'd be uh, again. It would be such an all-out offensive by the media. Instead, really, except for the Post, this is pretty much being silenced. That's why we got to get it out. Lee's got to raise the money, and that's that's really up to people who support him. Put their money where their mouth is, small donations, every type, get it in there so he can get this out on television. He's got to get this on television. Lee is working hard. I've been at uh, events with him. He's absolutely dedicated to this. He's 24-7, but he can only do so much. Uh, he's living up to his end. If we keep... You know, saying how terrible it is, the situation is terrible, then it's important for people to get out and vote, talk to their friends, talk to their neighbors, and if they can, send money in because that's how you get the message out. I mean, every time I turn on the television, I see an ad from Hoko against yep. Ellen saying Lee is the worst human being who was ever born. <laughs> Meanwhile, here's a guy who's, uh, you know, he was in the, in, in the war, he's a paratrooper, he's been in the Army, he's been in the Congress, he's a state senator, he's got a beautiful wife, two wonderful kids. I mean, this is uh, this is the guy you want in office and an unblemished record and, again, a great achievement. And we got to get behind him. But, uh, again, if she keeps saturating the airwaves with these uh, phony ads, it's going to be tough for Lee. We've got to turn this narrative around because he's a great candidate and he's going to get it done if we stay with him. He's a great guy, and you're right. The lying about him and five cops being killed back on January 6th, that is a complete lie by Hochul. In her last ad. Now, Peter, you're a nice guy. You're a statesman. Yes, you were, of course, a Republican politician, but you worked well with both sides of the aisle. Even found the way to work with John Stewart. I have no idea how you did that. Uh, <laughs> but on a serious note, there are some Democrats, even Charlemagne the God, that have come out today and said, hey, what Ron DeSantis did with those migrants to Martha's Vineyard and Governor Abbott sending them to New York and all over the country. That is genius. It's about time the Democrats were exposed for who they are. They don't want these illegal immigrants. Now you've got them. Now what? What do you think about all that? Yeah, and listen, you know, uh, David Patterson put it. David Patterson not supporting this, but he's saying that this did highlight the issue. Now what DeSantis is doing, what Abbott is doing, they're highlighting this issue and showing people this isn't just something you can put out of your mind and say, oh, you know, we have to be humane. We have to. The humanity is goes out the window when you have people coming into communities that can absorb them. The, everyone suffers. The people in those communities, the immigrants themselves. Listen, I saw it firsthand here in Long Island, and we had MS-13 flourishing because uh, partly because of these immigration uh, uh, mistakes and failures. But you know, by in, in that case, the Obama administration. Now we have it compounded by the Biden administration, and this just can't be allowed to go on. So I think what they're doing is highlighting it. And I found the whole thing in Martha's Vineyard. Here they are. They're out there greeting the people. I'm wonderful it is to have you here. 
and the next day the National Guard is shipping him to a uh, <laughs> military base. I mean, right. this is uh, crazy. Know, listen, they they could have put all, all those immigrants in Obama's house. Right. Get it. Right. They have 50 of them coming in. God, you could make, you know, 50 uh, subway apartments in his uh, <laughs> He's got a big place. I know these poor people are about to have lunch with, like, Larry David and Alan Dershow, which next thing you know, they're in Guantanamo Bay. Uh, let me <laughs> ask you about China. I'm not sure if you heard the conversation. I had Gordon Chang on early, early yesterday morning, Peter. And he said to me, with, with zero hesitation, he said, Sid, sometime in the next five years, the United States will absolutely be at war with China. I'm like, really? He's like, yes. Your thoughts? Well, China is definitely a threat, and they are being more aggressive. But listen, if, if Biden follows through and stands with Taiwan, lets the word get out that we're not going to abandon Taiwan. Listen, well, hold on. Were you, were you okay is- with that? Because Biden uh, received a lot of criticism for telling Scott Pelley on 60 Minutes that if they go in there, China, we will help the Taiwanese people. He's not really supposed to do that, but Gordon Chang said, screw it, he did the right thing. You're okay with that, too? Yeah, I think he did the right thing, but they got to get a coordinated message. He can't be saying one thing in the morning and the State Department saying something in the afternoon. Or, you know, the White House, you know, the unnamed White House staffers. Uh, uh, if he's saying it, then we got he's, he's got to make it consistent. Because otherwise, China can see an ambiguity. They can feel, wait a minute, Biden says this, but the administration is really not behind him. No, if, if that's the, uh, the uh, policy, I think it should be, then you have to make it clear. In the past, it's always been a strategic ambiguity, but you didn't have a situation of a president saying one thing and his administration saying something else. So I think they have to speak with one voice. And Taiwan, it's really, that's essential to Asia. Taiwan itself is important. But what that means as far as Japan, as far as South Korea, as far as even Singapore, you can get into different countries involved here. And also the economic uh, fact of all the you know, computer chips that come from Taiwan. Right. But more than that is that if China uh, establishes itself as a power in the Pacific, that really could be the beginning of the end for the United States, if they end up controlling that part of the world, controlling wow. those, those straits. Did you hear on Nigel Farage in the 7 o'clock hour say that Charles, he believes, will be a terrific king and that uh, he will actually make things better between the United States and England in the near future? Yeah, well, uh, first of all, I mean, I, again, I've had very few dealings with the royal family. I met Harry, I met Charles, and I met the Queen, uh, the Queen. But again, I'm talking about five-minute meetings. So, no, but from what I know, first of all, they've been extremely pro-American. In fact, Queen Elizabeth had the national anthem played on September 11th or September 12th. Uh, I was with Prince Charles at the British Embassy just two or three days after bin Laden was killed. And to see, again, how he felt, his, uh, again, love for the United States. You know, we're not going to agree on everything. And I know that the king has limited powers, per se. But as we saw, they have extraordinary moral uh, authority. If it's used the right way, it can be very, very helpful. And I think they, more than anyone, the royal family realizes the close links they have to the United States and how it's important for both of them. And this goes back also to the prime ministers. I remember I did work closely with Tony Blair in the Irish peace process, and uh, people wonder why was he always so supportive of the United States? Part of it is self-interest. He realized, I was told it's not by him, but by his top foreign policy advisor, that any time something had to be done in Europe, there'd be a united effort by 15, 20 countries. But the United States did 95%. Of the operations. He realized that Europe, despite this talk from some of them, you know, the U.S. is too big, the U.S. is too overbearing. Tony Blair realized that for Britain to survive, it has to maintain a close relationship with the United States. I think the royal family, both for reasons of policy and also practicality, 
realize that they are linked with the United States. We are linked with them. And I'm saying this is an Irish guy. You had a real problem with <laughs> yeah, that's Irish, right, with that's uh, right. Britain's rule in Ireland. The <laughs> yeah. things, they've come a long way. And yeah. the big picture, they, uh, uh, we were central to them. They were central to us. And we are beacons of democracy. He also said that the Prime Minister, Liz Truss, has really been a uh, liberal her whole life. Only very recently, since replacing Boris Johnson, is she speaking like a conservative. So be careful when it comes to Liz Truss. On the way out, what a special summary here, Peter King. You're a New Yorker through and through. You love the history. You love sports. You love baseball. Here, our New York Mets, it's official, going back to the playoffs for the first time in six years. That is huge news. And how about this home run chase by Aaron Judge? How fun is this to watch? You know, this is phenomenal. I'm a Mets fan, but what Aaron Judge is doing is phenomenal. He's hitting 60 home runs. I don't think anybody in Major League Baseball has more than 40. Now, in the past, you know, we had these home run uh, challenges and it's, uh, with uh, uh, what's his name, Bonds and uh, McGuire. Oh, right, well, the 1998 Sosa and McGuire. Life. Yeah, I... so we had guys weighing 150 pounds hitting 40 and 50 homers. Everybody was hitting home runs then. But now, Aaron Judge is standing by himself. I mean, he's out there at 60 home runs. I think the next closest is 40. There's never been, I don't think, a disparity that big between a leader and the, and the runner-up. And he does it with class. I mean, last night I was going nuts. I was becoming schizophrenic. <laughs> I'm going back and forth between the Mets and the Yankees. I mean, Lindor's hitting the Grand Slam. Alonzo's hitting the three-run homer. Uh, and the next thing you know, uh, I mean, with uh, Judge hitting the 60th home run, that was almost overtaken by Stanton hitting the Grand Slam. Right. I mean, it was like, uh, this, is, this is New York baseball at its best. I go back to the days of the Dodgers and Yankees where they won every year. Unfortunately, the Yankees won the World Series more often. But that was it. Everybody was talking baseball. That's what it should be, and I give, again, uh, Steve Cohen credit. Uh, I give the Yankees credit, even though I never liked them over the years. The fact is the two teams are really right now showing what New York baseball can be and should be is all about. You're 100% right. Peter King is always not a good appearance, an amazing appearance. You're great. I love when you're here. I love when you're on. And most importantly, I love you. So thank you for this this morning, and you be well. You got it, said You too. Take care of yourself now. You're Bye. the best. There he is, Congressman Peter King. Another tremendous appearance. Long live the King. King Charles and Pete King. 